Hey, business building warrior. Welcome to Silent Sales Machine Radio. I am your temporary host because today I'm going to turn it over to some great co-hosts that have been helping out so much lately with some great content and episodes. Of course, I'm talking about Brian and Robin Joy Olson, two of the coaching leaders from our team. And they've got some very practical advice and strategies for you today. But I want to brag a little bit about this community before I turn the microphone over to them. Did you know that we've been doing e-commerce coaching for 19, coming up on 20 years? We've coached nearly 10,000 students. In the e-commerce landscape, there's no one out there who's been doing e-commerce coaching half as long as we have, to my knowledge. We've got so many great success stories, and that's what this podcast is all about. The core commitment of this podcast, the main reason we do it, is to bring to you inspirational success stories from the students that we've taught in our community. If you're new around here, I strongly encourage you to check out some of our free resources that will give you a huge boost and really build your confidence that this is a community worth being a part of and paying attention to. If you've never heard me talk about before my gauntlet question, this is where I threw down the gauntlet on the entire e-commerce business building industry. And I said, there's one basic question that everybody should ask before they attempt to build a business using any strategy that they see being presented online. And that basic question is simply this. You go to the leaders, you go to the people who are hyping the business opportunity, you go to the people who have the sales page or the Facebook post or the TikTok or the Instagram ad, and you simply say this, where are your successful students gathered? I want to go hang out with them. I want to get to know you guys. I want to get to know, like, and trust you a little bit. Where can I hang out with a community of people who are doing this business and doing it successfully, realistically? Because every business requires work, blood, sweat, tears, sacrifice. You want to hang out with people who are doing it. But we offer that. We offer that in a big way. You can go to silentgym.com. You can see a link to our free Facebook group there. You'll see 72,000 plus people in that group and they're interacting constantly. We have nearly 1,700 tagged success stories right in that Facebook group. And on this podcast that you're listening to now, if you scroll back in time, you'll see hundreds of interviews with our successful students. I'm so proud of that. One other thing before we move on to today's episode, if you don't have plans yet for July 6th through 8th, this coming summer, 2023, we'd love to see you in Columbus, Ohio, join hundreds of listeners to our podcast. Dozens of coaches from our team, including two of the coaches that you're about to meet, Brian and Robin Joy Olson, they'll be presenting 40 different breakout sessions, all taught by the most successful students in our community and the coaching leaders on our team. It's going to be a great three-day event in Columbus, Ohio. The website that you need, remember these three words, The Proven Conference. That's the website for our upcoming event. Hope to see you there. We will have hundreds of people from this community there. Don't miss out. All right, so what are Brian and Robin talking about today? Well, I'll let them explain it in just a moment, but a couple things that I really love about the content they bring is they're coming at it from a perspective of coaches who really have feet on the ground. They're talking to a bunch of our students any given week. If you didn't know this, all of our coaches have a couple things in common. 
very quickly. They have built a beautiful, successful business and they are maintaining that business at a high level. That's the standard that we have for all of our coaches. Next, they have a teacher's heart. They love sharing openly the lessons that they're learning. And in this case, Brian and Robin Joy have coached many, many students as well. They have a lot of insights and tips that they've learned from that tremendous experience that they've had helping so many others launch and grow their businesses using the strategies we teach in the Proven Amazon course. So today they're going to be talking about some standard operating procedure types of content, just those day-to-day pricing strategies, uh, sourcing strategies, some real practical stuff that we've all come to respect and love whenever those guys take the microphone and host an episode, and also how to test and replenish your inventory. How many should you test? What makes a good test? How often should I replenish? How bold can I be about replenishing and stocking up on my inventory? You'll love the insights they have for you today. It's always a good time hanging out with them. That's enough of an introduction. Brian and Robin, take it from here. Thanks, guys. Welcome back to Silent Sales Machine Radio. We are your hosts. I'm Brian. And I'm Robin Joy. And this is Coach's Corner. We got a few topics to talk about today. We do. Just just a couple of things that came across our minds this week. Well, one of them is a question that we get asked all the time when we see it in the Facebook group. And I think the content, the, the answer that, that you kind of threw my way was like, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes perfect sense. So I love mm. that. We'll get to that in a minute. Okay. We've also got one that is, uh, well, basically, I'll just give a little bit of more of a teaser here. That okay. is like, well, how many should I send in? How many should I test? Many. How many should I replenish with, right? There's a, a few things behind that we'll, we'll share with you. And then also, like, how do I know how to respond to certain events in the business? Um, you can create SOPs or standard operating procedures, and we're going to talk a little bit about that. But we want to start off with the topic we kind of touched on in a previous episode, mm-hmm. which is the Chinese proverb that goes something like this. And I'm probably going to really butcher this, but <laughs> when you hear something, you'll forget it. Mm-hmm. When you see something, you'll remember it. But when you do something, you'll understand it. You'll understand it. Yeah. And we see this a lot in this space, right? Mm-hmm. And I love the idea that a lot of people here in this space are continual learners. And then you're talking about this space being the community. In that the community we're, that we're right. in, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're all, as we say, lifelong learners, right? A lot of us really are. Yeah, we, we enjoy learning all the time. So my my case here is that the learning part of it, it goes beyond just understanding it conceptually. I mm-hmm. read a book on that. Right. I uh, saw someone do it. I understand mm-hmm. the, I understand, we, we and we kind of teased this in a previous episode as well. I understand how to swing a golf club. Mm-hmm. Yes. But until you actually go swing the golf club, you, you don't have an appreciation for it, right? Be, yes. Being someone who was over 30 the first time she swung a golf club. Uh-huh. There was nothing in my life. I, I understood what I was supposed to do, yeah. but my body did not. I had to train my body and my brain to do what it needed to do. It was not comfortable in the beginning at all. We also talked about uh, riding a bicycle, right? Like right. You mm-hmm. understand that it takes balance and you know mm-hmm. that you turn the wheel to turn and you crank the pedals to go faster and mm-hmm. you have you know handles for the brakes or all unless the mechanics you have, are there. You understand it. But until you actually get on the bike and execute, mm-hmm. it's different. Same thing like driving a car. We've used the car analogy before. Mm-hmm. We have. Mm-hmm. Right? It's 
I remember as a kid, I would sit in the front seat and turn the wheel like this and tell my mom, is this how you drive? This is how you drive, right? <laughs> yes. Going back and forth. With moving the, yeah, moving the yeah. steering wheel back and forth because that's what it seems like. That's what right? it seems like. But it's completely mm-hmm. different when all of a sudden you're in control of the power mm-hmm. and the braking and the signaling mm-hmm. and the, yes. all the million things that you have to keep track of while you're actually doing it. And control is exactly the issue in that situation, right? Because you put your foot on the gas and you don't know how much gas to give it. Uh-huh. And if you give it too little, it it will struggle. If you give it too much, it'll take off on you and you'll lose control. So same thing with the pressure on the brake. Yeah, exactly. Right? You don't just put on the brake because everyone in the car will go sending through the windshield. Them, well, yeah. go against their seatbelt, right? Right, right. Okay, of course, so, their seatbelt. Yes, yes. <laughs> always, always wear seatbelt. So, but the uh, so the idea here is that you can't be a backseat driver, right? You have to actually take the wheel, right? And this for me, this applies to the sourcing process. Yes, it is one thing to understand it and to say, oh yes, I understand that I just very much simplify buy low and sell high, mm-hmm. right? But right. how do you find those items? Well, you go to the store and you inspect things on the shelf, or you mm-hmm. browse a website online. Yes, that is true, absolutely right. But until you actually go through it. Right. From step one or from step A to step Z, mm-hmm. you don't have a true appreciation for it. And you can't say, I believe, you can't say that you really understand it mm-hmm. until you get in there and and truly have learned it, until you get in there and go mm-hmm. all the way from step A to step Z and you're in control. That's right. And do it a few times. It takes a little bit of practice to perfect that. And for you, it's going to be a different process than it is for anybody else. Mm-hmm. So. This is something that we also think that should be learned before you have someone else do it for you, just so you are clear about what you're expecting and what you want to happen when somebody is doing that for you. So that's a good point. Yeah. So sourcing it, this is the do it before you delegate it, right? Mm -hmm. You have to have a good understanding of that before you hire someone on um, who's going to go do that for you Mm -hmm. and try to simplify it. And I love that what we've done, what you've done, I give you the credit on this with, with that three-step check. People give me way too much credit, but thank you. Yeah, it is may, basically make this a yes or no answer, right? As opposed to, well, sometimes, maybe, if you look at it here, if you consider this, blah, blah, blah. Well, right. Let's just make it as black and white, ones and zeros as we can make it. Right. So in creating that, we, we worked on this together, but in mm-hmm. creating that, the purpose was that we wanted for people to, who are just beginning to be able to have some place to go and some some guidelines to work within until they get more experience mm-hmm. and can you know make their own rules this will you know be a low risk and an easy decision for them to make but it also for us it's really really great to have someone else look through our lists for us of ASINs that we want to maybe test we want someone else to go and find the source for that but we don't want them making any decisions. So we give them all yes or no questions. Mm-hmm. And that's what the three-step check came came from, was trying to make it so that someone who is not me can make decisions for my business that are black and white, that you can't mess it up by making a judgment call. So that was kind of where that came from. That's key. In, in the judgment call, this is the, the joy of being uh, an owner-operator of mm-hmm. your business is you get to make those judgment calls. That's right. But you don't want necessarily an employee in your business at this stage making a judgment call unless 
they've proven themselves, right? Not right? until you have a lot of experience yeah. and trust with that person would you want them making judgment calls. And and that's you know just the development of employees as as that goes. But but yeah, that's kind of where it came from. Just black and white, yes or no's. If you send me back everything that says yes to all three of those three-step checks and you have a, a reputable source, then I want to see that one. Anything that doesn't pass all of that, mm-hmm. I don't want to see. Right. So it's just a task, doing the task that I would have been doing, but having someone else do it for me. And I think this is what sometimes causes confusion in the uh, in our community is is we make judgment calls all the time. We do. Right? Yeah. We say, I know maybe all of this, us do. this does or doesn't pass the three-step check, mm-hmm. but yeah. I'm going to override that. Right, because right? I have some experience and I have seen this before and, and I can make that call. And this is why if you ask, you see a question asked in the, in the MST community, you'll get a uh-huh. hundred different answers because we're all making that judgment call, right? Right. Potentially. And that's a good point too. And I think we've mentioned this before. We have a community where you can get all kinds of different advice from all kinds of different experiences. Mm-hmm. All any of us do is share what's worked with us. Mm-hmm. So there aren't any right or wrong answers. Mm-hmm. There are a lot of a lot of options that you can take a look at mm-hmm. and make your own decision. Yeah. And I, that's what I think is really, really great about everybody sharing. There are no rights and wrongs or you know breaking rules. You make your own rules. You decide what goes on in your business. And you have a lot of input to help you make those decisions from experienced people. Yes. Um, real quick, my eyes are up here. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, he moved the camera on me and I forgot where to look. I apologize. Hello, everyone. I'm here. <laughs> um, yeah, thanks for humoring me on that. Oh, uh, oh, it was quite humorous, yes. Well, the point there is that you are running your own business and you get to make those decisions. But when you have outsourced a portion of your business, you want someone to probably check with you before mm-hmm. making a judgment call, unless... Again, you've developed a, a good relationship, good rapport. You've got trust with that person, whether it's your prep center, your sourcer, your shopper, whatever it is. Yeah, regardless of whether they have experience or not, whether they've worked with someone already and been trained in some way, you don't know that they're trained in the way that you would do your business. Right. And as a new person in this business, when you're just starting out, the biggest hurdle that you face is sourcing items, right? Right. Uh, I, looking through finding pouring items over, to test. Finding items to test. Mm-hmm. And that bridge, you have to cross it. Regardless of how, you know how to cross the bridge. You know right. the path that needs to be taken. And you could explain to someone how to get from the side of the bridge to the other side of the bridge. Right. Give directions all day long. You could absolutely The other side direct- of the bridge is right that way. Yes, and be careful in the middle. There's a little hole. Yes, side step I've seen people fall in the hole over yes, there. Yes, right. You have, right. We've all seen this, but... You are the one who still has to cross the bridge yourself, mm-hmm. ultimately. Um, to get to the other side, to get you to the have to side. cross the bridge. And that's the time investment. And that's the, you know, the brain, the learning that you have to go through. Um, yes. I'm convinced anyway. I had to go through it. You had to go through yes. it. All of our clients have had to go through it. Maybe there's some people who come into this business and magically can pick things out. But for most of us... I haven't met any of them. Yeah, I haven't, <laughs> not yet anyway. For most of us, we have to cross I've that bridge. I've met some pretty impressive ones from... <laughs> Pretty quick movers uh-huh. worked with them. Yes. But I haven't met anybody who didn't have to get to the other side of the bridge. Yeah. And it takes time. We've said this before, but, you know, allow some grace for yourself, mm-hmm. for whoever you might be working with in the business. Give yourself a little bit of slack. Yes. You generally, we don't see people come in and go, oh, 
I figured it out in 15 minutes. Right. Right. It takes some time, some repetition, some burning in, mm-hmm. some experimentation, mm-hmm. some uh, failures, right? You have to go through those failures. Some, that just reminds me of something else I wanted to bring up. Not necessarily, I didn't write it down to talk about it on this show, but, you know, how do I say this? <laughs> You're uh, scaring me. I don't I know. know. I, <laughs> this no is, this is a, little bit, a little bit off the cuff, <laughs> but I can't get it. I can't formulate it, but it's like this avoiding failure. Mm-hmm doesn't equal success. That's correct. Right? Absolutely agree with that statement. I think I finally got it out in the right (laughs) way. Avoiding failure doesn't equal success. And we all have to have some of those failures along the way Mm -hmm. because that is what you're going to learn from and that will help you build a great foundation for success. And that applies in the sourcing space too. That's right. Right? There's a lot of back and forth. There's a lot of learning, layered learning that happens Mm -hmm. as you're going through that sourcing process. When you're testing, you're like, oh, I didn't see that. I didn't notice that when right. I originally decided I was going to test this. That's a good point because we don't know know what we don't know, mm-hmm. right? And that's why we we start with a few basic general guidelines and then we get those worked out and then we add to it. We don't just go to, you know, 12th grade when we're 5 years old. Right. We just don't do it. Right. We go layer by layer, step by step. And then you can start moving pretty quickly once you get some of that foundation down, but give yourself some time to build the next step and then build the next step and get that down before you put another step on there. So you get all the steps in there. Yes. And yeah. then it becomes pretty easy. Right. Um, but that takes time. It does take time. It takes At least it takes repetitions. It takes cycles, yes. right? It takes that, cycles. That feedback loop we talk about. Mm-hmm. You, the more times you get that feedback loop, in a shorter amount of time, that's how fast basically you can build this business. But you mm-hmm. have to go through the whole cycle. Right. The faster you can go through cycles, the faster you can build your business. I mm-hmm. think that's pretty universally mm-hmm. true. Of course, you know, you're getting our opinion and our our advice here. And it's just one of the many, many pieces of advice that are out there. But these are things that have worked for us and people that we've worked with. So so yeah, I like I like the analogy of uh, getting to the other side of the bridge. Okay, good. Uh, and I like the I like not failing is not equal to success. Right. Yeah. I like that. You got to step out a little bit and take a few, you know, bumps. You might have to take a punch or two here yep. and there. Yeah. Um, but you'll be way better for it, right? As yes. opposed to just standing as an observer. Mm-hmm. Okay. Good. Did we did we beat? beat I that think we beat that one to okay. death. Let's okay. try the next one. See if we can beat that one up. Okay. So this is actually a good one. We get this question, and we see it all the time. This is, um, well, how many should I test? How many and, should I test? Or how many should I replenish? Ah, uh, that's right? a bigger question. Yeah. Because you know we already talked about how many tests. You know, I say three to five. Mm-hmm. You say four, I say to four to six. six. Different people will say different things. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll you'll get a routine. You know, you're not going to go wrong there, especially if you have somebody that you're working with and. And, you know, you have a certain amount of capital and you're going to make your decision there. But how many do I replenish? Okay, so it passed the test. Great. I'm going to replenish that item. Mm -hmm. So how many do I replenish? Mm -hmm. This is a good one. Are you asking me? Yeah, I'm asking you. How how many? I'm taking your response um, or the way you framed it to me because I think this is awesome. Which is, I think, well, I'm paraphrasing, but if it makes me cringe a little bit when I think about potentially not getting my money back, because I think I'm potentially buying too much, that's usually my first sign that I'm buying too much. Yes. Right? Consider that feeling. Because even though it passed your test that first time, doesn't mean it'll pass the test the next time. And 
you sure enough might go get a great deal on 24 or 48 units. You send it in and then Amazon shows up that same day. Yeah, for so, half of your break-even price. For, yeah, for, yeah, where basically the same price you paid for it. You're not going to, it's going to be really tough to make money. You don't know how long you might have to wait them out. And so now you've got this capital that is in inventory that's either on the way or sitting in the warehouse. Ugh. Potentially getting storage fees. Right, because we are doing everything that we can to stack the deck in our favor. Remember, mm-hmm. we're doing the three-step check. Mm-hmm. We're finding out what our break-even is. We're finding out where the where the average low price is. We're doing everything that we can to ensure success. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't. None of those things are a guarantee that we're going to be successful, continually That's successful right. with that item over and over again. So may I say mm-hmm. also that it does make a difference in how how spread your capital is. Mm-hmm. If you spread over, we've said this a, a bunch of times, if you spread over 10 ASINs and something happens to one of those ASINs, that's going to be, that's kind of kind of hurt. Mm-hmm. If you spread over 100 ASINs and something happens to one, that's not going to hurt nearly as bad. You're not going to cringe as much when something happens. So consider that feeling of how hard you want to fall if you fall. <laughs> if you because fall. anything can happen. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind. We've done everything we can to stay safe. But the biggest thing you can do to stay safe and keep your risk low is to spread it across many ASINs, as Jim Cockrum calls it, inch deep, mile wide mm-hmm. when it comes to ASINs. Don't go deep on one ASIN. Go go a little bit on several ASINs. Yeah, this is a good, I think, time to bring up low, low, high, which is mm-hmm. that this is a Robinism, Robin Joyism. <laughs> Robin is- <laughs> uh, so this is low barrier to entry or low cost, mm-hmm. low risk, and a high chance for success. Notice that none of them said guaranteed. None. Right? Said for sure low price, for sure no risk, and for sure um, success. Right? Right. But we are stacking the deck as much in our favor as we can. But... In terms of the number or the the price of that item or how many should I send in, I love the balancing act that you're talking about. Mm-hmm. So if I have 20 ASINs in my stable at this point, mm-hmm. I want to try and balance out the number, uh, you know, spread the risk across all of those. If I'm putting right. 40% of my spend in one of those ASINs, that's probably too much, mm-hmm. even if that's my most profitable ASIN today. Even if that's your most profitable ASIN today, because yeah. anything can happen to any ASIN. Yep. And over and over and over, we get the call that says, oh, this was my best ASIN. Mm-hmm. And for whatever reason, Amazon shut it down. And I have to pull my inventory. And I had, you know, 600 items in there. And, you know, that's probably an exaggeration. Mm-hmm. I have, very many have 600, but 60 items at 50 bucks a piece, Mm -hmm. and that's going to really, really cost me. Mm -hmm. So this can happen if that were spread over a whole bunch of ASINs and in that $50 60 times Mm -hmm. wasn't a large percentage of your capital, you probably will handle that just fine. Mm -hmm. But if it's a large percentage of your capital, if you're testing your first few ASINs and you have one or two on your replens list that have passed and you've got some tests in there, and you're looking at, okay, I have $2,000 for inventory this week. And I can put that into tests along with my two replens. But I'm going, I'm looking at this ACE that looks really good. The buy cost to me is $200. That's 10% of my mm-hmm. capital for this week for one. And I need to buy three to do a test. 
that's going to make me cringe a little. That's that feeling that's going to make you think twice. Now, it doesn't mean you can't make the decision to do it. Just consider that that's a large percentage of your capital at that moment. And you may want to wait a little bit longer to go in into those uh, higher priced or deeper item, deeper items, meaning more, Absolutely. Uh, more quantity. And just to clarify, you said you only had two or three items on your list, but you have $2,000. That doesn't mean you need to spend all $2,000. True. Right. We're, True. We are still being reasonably conservative in the amount of items that we're uh, sending in per ASIN. We don't, right. just because we have that amount of money doesn't need to be, mean we need to spend it all. In fact, I like the divide up that money over six weeks and do an equal spend every week for six weeks. I like that too. So that you start- or even eight weeks. So that you start getting some of that money, uh, the capital, the original investment, plus your profit back. Yes. Before you run out of your seed money to start, that you're using to, to replenish and fund your tests. Right, right. Because you don't want to have this big gap where you can't do anything because you're waiting for your money to come back. Because guess what happens when you have a big gap? Mm-hmm. You have to start. You all have to start over. all over. It's like you lose momentum. We talked about yeah. this, and you in need a, to keep that momentum in, going. In, in another conversation, where we need to, we're in danger of when anytime we take two or three weeks off, mm-hmm. that's you know, putting distance between that business, the business processes, the sourcing, the doing all the things that we do on a daily basis, and where we are today. And it's fairly easy, I think, to become disengaged or potentially become disengaged when that happens. So. I, that's another reason I like the consistency. Consistency in this business is where it's at. I anyway. think it's the key, yeah. the key thing. Yeah. Consistency in everything, diversity in everything. Mm-hmm. So when I say diversity, consistency, everything do, you know, once a week, once every two weeks, whatever you do, do it every time, mm-hmm. every time, at least that much. Mm-hmm. Diversity, diversify your ASINs. Then as you grow, diversify your brands in case something happened to that brand. Mm -hmm. Diversify your categories in Mm -hmm. case something happened to that category. Diversify even your strategies at a certain point. We think diversity, we think first of all, consistency is key. And Mm -hmm. the second key is is diversity Mm -hmm. in whatever ways you can. Yes. In fact, as you do this more and more in the replans model, you get experience in the on the platform. You get experience in the space if yes. you're new to this type of uh, business. And once you do gain that level of experience, then you can start integrating other strategies that can provide more stability, more a mm-hmm. better foundation for your business than um, just doing replans alone, mm-hmm. which is a fine business model. But oh, there yeah. are ways that you can Absolutely. shore that up. Right? right. Okay. But you can add to that, like we've done. We had. Mm-hmm. We have a replens business, and then we've also done what what they're calling branded bundles yes. now. So yeah, we've been doing that for a while as well. So we've started to diversify, and even you know some other strategies that we're we have been trying. We've got several things going on right now. Anyway, that, besides that, the point is you can diversify your strategies too. That's the point. Okay, one more thing that uh, makes me think of how many should I replenish or how many yes. should I test is if. It makes you cringe a little bit that you might have to give a refund on one of those items. That's probably a good indicator that you're spending too much on that particular ASIN or that particular item. That you should at least consider, consider. Yeah. That, that, that you might want to wait a little bit more. So let's put it this way, Brian. What if I gave you $10 and then I asked you to give me a dollar every day? Mm-hmm. I'm making this up as I go. Okay. <laughs> and I gave, ask you to give me a dollar a day, right? Yep. Then that would 
be okay for the first couple of dollars, but then you're like, you know, I'd be, I'm getting down to the bottom. But what if I gave you a thousand dollars and asked you to give me a dollar every day? Okay. That wouldn't hurt so bad. Right. 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 So if I have inventory in that costs me a lot of my capital, am I getting too far off here? No, you're just talking okay. with the camera. <laughs> the camera again, sorry. <laughs> but it, it costs a, a, a large percentage of my capital, mm-hmm. then it's going to hurt a little if somebody wants a refund mm-hmm. on that. And I'm yeah. going to want to, you know, really dig into that. And that can be time spent that, you know, doesn't go anywhere for you. So it's just another way to look at it that. And, and we believe that refunds are part of doing business. We do. Yes. And we have always, since the day we started out in this, we've taken, I'll call it the Nordstrom approach. Yes. Which is like, absolutely, we will give you refunds because we are about customer service. Yes. And that means that we, as it doesn't mean it always felt good. Let me no, just be clear on that. Not always. There were times I was like, why do I they want a refund? <laughs> there, I feel like I'm getting, you know, gypped on something or whatever. And that was hard for me to reconcile for about two days because <laughs> you, Kept, a, kept me with a level head and you said, remember, this is a long-term business. We're right. not just doing this for three weeks, three months, or mm-hmm. even three years. Right. This is a long-term business venture for us. And the way we want to approach this, whether it's on Amazon or any other platform or even in a store, is that we're about customer service, not about what we sell. Mm-hmm. It's about the service. It's about exactly. the experience. Right? Exactly. And I think I think what we talked about early on was we're building it. We'll we'll we're building a multi million dollar right. business. Yes. And we're not going to let a twenty dollar refund right. impact that. Right. Even a hundred dollar refund in that. Even a hundred dollar right? now. Refund. If I had a hundred dollar refund in my first two months, I would be that, a little concerned yeah, about exactly, that. Which is why exactly what we were right. just describing. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Um, Anything else on that? Good on there? I think so. Okay, I'm good. good. Well, the last question is, we get this a lot. It's a reactive uh, question that we get a lot. Oh, this happened to me. Right. I got this item, you know, the listing got shut down or this item is not selling anymore or yeah, any number of reasons that I might have to go from plan A to plan B or right. plan C or plan D. Right. Right. Exactly. Take so so let's, let's say that scenario we were talking about before where you sent in a test and you've got four items in there on that ASIN. They just got there and here comes Amazon and they're going to sell it for half of what your selling price was. Now, are they going to stay there? We don't know. We're going to test for about 30 to 45 days. If they're still there, what do I do? I can't just, if I recall it, I mean, I could recall it or I could lower my price, but I'm going to lose money. What do I do there? Right. So, so what we're trying to do is not that dissimilar from the refunds is have an approach that works for us as, you know, nine times out of 10, whatever, or 10 right. times out of 10. But the approach is predefined. That's so, the key. So we're not clouded by emotion. Right. And, and potentially make a bad call, a bad judgment on how mm-hmm. we're going to handle that situation. Mm-hmm. So this is part of the SOP or your standard operating procedures for, mm-hmm. for us. We already know when something like that happens, mm-hmm. how we are going to respond to that. We look we, up in our book. Oh, uh, Amazon. Exit strategies yes, is what we call it. Exit strategies. Right. So what do we do for exit strategy when situation A happens? Oh, we flip open our SOP and we say, oh, if Amazon shows up and we're 45 days in and we have no sales, then execute plan we, B. Right. Right. Plan B is, could be any number of things. Could be any number of things. It could be. Right. 
recall, repurpose, resell on another platform, any right. Know. Our first place, our first place to go is usually to get it listed on every platform that we can and see mm. how quickly we can move it. But then sometimes that doesn't work and we don't want to sit, don't want it to sit there too long, knowing we're not going to make any money on it. Mm-hmm. So you know, other strategies might be, you know, lowering the price as much as we need to to get it sold. So we get most of our capital back. Mm-hmm. That's usually the easiest strategy. It takes the least manpower and effort and thought process. Mm-hmm. But that sometimes doesn't work for us either. And sometimes we recall it and we give it away as Christmas gifts or donate it to a shelter mm-hmm. or, or take it back to where we bought it from, it refund, repackage it into a, a different configuration. Right, there are a lot of, okay. The point here is that we've learned this through many cycles and many right. iterations. So I don't think it's fair to say, well, just define it in advance and no, then make that decision, course. right? You're going to have gone through this a few times mm-hmm. and say, can you define it in advance? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean that you can't change it as well. Right. Right. You you will be more comfortable with your SOPs as you use them. Mm-hmm. You will find what tweaks you need to make to those. Mm-hmm. And that'll make it easier next time. You have to look at that and the next time. And pretty soon you're going to be able to just hand it, hand that to someone else to do that work for you. Oh, why might you want, why might you be doing that? Because any number of reasons, but one of them might be that I want to go on a vacation. I don't do this. I don't have my own business and control my own life so I can never go on vacation. Right. I'm like, on vacation sometimes. It is nice to be able to give someone the decision tree and say, if this happens, follow this process. Right. right? And this is how then you can begin to outsource your business as well. And you gain trust in the people who, that you're working with. But in addition to vacation... Yeah, what else would might cause that? Well, maybe I got into a car accident oh, and I, or I broke yeah. my leg or you know, I'm incapacitated for some reason for an extended period of time. Unexpected things do happen. Oh, right. We were talking about this one the other day. Yeah, we can plan for vacation, but not, not for a car accident. Right. And you can't plan for a death in the family either. Right. Right. Sometimes that will take you out from, you know, hits you from left field. Usually that's what happens. And you're, and you need to drop everything and go be with your loved ones. Yes. Right. But you also don't want your business to suffer necessarily. And so by creating these SOPs and decision trees, whatever, that you can actually hand that to someone and say, I'm going to be gone. I don't know how long I'm going to be gone, but here you go. Can you take care of this for me while I'm gone? Right. And uh, yeah, it's not usually that simple, but right. it's going to be a lot easier to ask someone to help you if you have those things mm-hmm. written down. Right. And have we, some sort of idea what how that would be run. The, the joy of this business is even if you were on vacation or away um, for an extended period of time, that it's usually just a few minutes per day. You can log in and just yes. you know make sure everything is operating as it should. And if something needs attention, then you can call on someone. Yes, um, eventually, yeah, eventually you get outsourced and you can, what we like to see with people we're working with, once they get, you know, their replens list built up a little bit, you know, 75 or 100 ASINs, we like to see them get a little bit outsourced so that they can add another strategy, go to the next point in the pyramid that they want to go to. And if they get outsourced on the replens business that's going to continue to keep the cash flow going mm-hmm. so they can experiment with some other 
strategies that might be a little bit higher risk or a little bit longer return than the replants business. Oh, this is interesting. We were talking about this last night and I'm- We were, I'm, right? I, I, you want to jump into it a little bit? Sure. So we were Just talking- a little bit. So I don't know if anyone ever goes to Las Vegas. Have you ever play like the the uh, blackjack tables? It yep. used to be back in the old, I'll say the old the days, old days. <laughs> there were dollar tables. You could go play a hand of blackjack for a dollar and you yeah, could get a lot of you can't hands. Answer. No, I'm, I'm, well, you might be able to at certain places, but last time we were there, we didn't see <laughs> anyway. any of those, right? Um, and then like the minimum went up to like five bucks and most places now it's $25, like a hand. Really? Yeah. Is it really? I mean, you might be able Likings. to find a $10 table, but yeah, I mean, it can be really expensive. I felt, and I'm not even in the high roller section, right? Right. Yeah, uh, where it's like $100 a hand. And- right. But replens is like that $1 or $5 table. You can yeah. come in for re- for fairly low stakes, relatively yes. low stakes, right? The sure. low low cost. And mm-hmm. you can play the game of replens. And yes. you can be successful. Right. Right. Very low risk. Yes. Very low investment, comparatively yes. speaking. High chance for success mm-hmm. in that game. Mm-hmm. But the next, maybe the next point on the pyramid, I know next for us was branded bundles. Mm-hmm. That's a much longer startup time, a much more cash up front kind of business. Mm-hmm. The experimentation doesn't necessarily, you can't make it protect your capital like you did before. There are there are ways to make good judgment calls on absolutely. it. And absolutely. It's still a great model. Yeah, it is still a great but- model. The risk is a little bit higher. Yes. The low cost is a little bit, a little bit less low, right? right? A little bit higher. But you can do that because you've already built some cash and you have some cash flowing right. in your replants right. business. And that's that's why this community usually encourages people to start with the replants business. Yeah. And then build on to that those next steps after you have some experience about how the platform works, about what what can happen. Mm-hmm those kinds of things before you kind of dive into those things that are longer startup time, a little bit more capital required up front. That, but they can be very, very much worth it. Just with with no experience at all, it's going to be a lot riskier. Right. And then there's the other model, which is I would call the true private label. So yes. you, or you are an inventor mm-hmm. um, or something like that, where you have a design of something, you're, you're having it manufactured to your specifications, you're getting it from China, mm-hmm. it's coming over on a boat in a container. Right. This to me is like the high roller room, right? Yes, yeah. yes. And we've worked with some people who do this Absolutely. and are very successful at it. Yes. It can be done. It's super exciting. It's super exciting when it works. <laughs> yes, but we like to say like, you know, work your way up to that so that you've got some stability and you've got that, well, back in the replenishment quantities, if it goes, if it makes you cringe a little bit about the amount of money that you're putting into that, then that's probably a good indication. Pay you're attention not quite to ready that, for that feeling, right. right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's why in this community, we we encourage everyone to start with replants. It yes. is absolutely low risk, low barrier to entry, high chance for success. Love it. Love it. All right. And what happens if you, uh, if one of your ASINs goes bad? What solves that problem? More ASINs. More ASINs. More ASINs. Let's go get some more ASINs. Let's go get some more ASINs. I think that's what we're going to do tonight. Let's do it. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. We'll thanks, everybody. see you soon. Talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for hanging out with us today on Silent Sales Machine Radio. As we like to do once a week or so around here, I bring on my good friend, Mr. Jeff Schick of jeffschick.com, just like the Razor. He's always got some great legal insights and some policy, Amazon policy insights for us. What have you got for us this week, Jeff? 
Well, we have an interesting one. So over the last week or two, we've gotten a couple emails from, from the sellers and they're saying, help, my account health rating has gone down and uh, nothing on my account health dashboard has changed. And so they're thinking that something's wrong and they're sounding the alarm and they're wondering what can they do to fix it. So the purpose of this episode is to explain, well, what is the account health rating? You know, how does Amazon come up with that number, which is between zero and 1,000? And why is it going down when you're doing nothing wrong? So I guess you all jump right into it. You know, for those of you who may not know, the account health rating is Amazon's numeric score on the account health dashboard. Now, it's currently only in the United States. Um, I might have rolled out to Canada uh, recently. I can't remember if it did or not, but it's only for sure it's in the United States. It has not made it to Europe yet. And it's it's a score between zero and a thousand. Between zero and ninety-nine, an account is at risk of deactivation within seventy-two hours or seven days, depending on if you have account health assurance. Uh, between one hundred and one ninety-nine, your account will have a yellow banner saying your account is at risk. Please fix these violations to prevent further disruption. And between two hundred and a thousand, you're healthy. Now, where sellers are concerned is that you know their scores are going down. And they're not getting violations. So normally violations range on Amazon from between two and eight points. So maybe you know, an IP claim might be eight points or 10 points. It just depends on what the investigator assigns to it. And so their account, their ratings maybe goes from a 245 to a 243. And yet they have no violations on their dashboard. They're saying, why is this happening? So I think it's important to understand what causes that rating and understand why it might be going down. So Jim, you and I have talked before when they first rolled it out. And it's uh, for those who don't remember on that episode, Amazon had released the formula and it still is on Seller Central. You have to dig pretty deep to find it. But basically, for those who don't remember, it's a 180-day rolling average where you receive four points for every 200 orders. So for every 200 orders that you have that don't have a problem, you'll receive four points on your score. So if you imagine in the last 180 days, um, and I should also preface it that everyone starts at 200. So if in the last 180 days, which is six months, you sold 200 items exactly, you would have, and you had no IP claims and no other issues, you'd have a 204. Just, you know, simple math, four points, 200 orders, 180 days. So for now, if what, why this might, why this matters, and I keep focusing on this 180 days, is that 180 days ago, we were in the middle of Q4. So that's mid-October, we're in the height of Christmas shopping, people are buying like crazy on your Amazon store. And so naturally, we've got sort of like a bell curve distribution where you had a ton of orders in this Q4 period. And now we're on the tail end of it where your orders taper back down to normal. So if you don't have a constant order volume throughout the year, and you're one of, one of I think, 80, they say 80% of Amazon sellers that do arbitrage make 80% of their revenue in Q4. That means 20% of your revenue comes from the other months, 80% comes from Q4. Well, we are now dead middle Q4, you know, October, November, and December is Q4. We're in the middle of October. We're moving into November. So as we move further away from that point, those orders are falling off the calculation. So if you did a thousand orders in Q4, you would have, you know, 200 times five or for 200 divided, I mean, a thousand divided by 200 would be five times four, times four. which is 20 points. So you'd you have 220. 20 point, 20 point increase on your score. 20 point increase back then. Great Q4. Great Q4. Now you're kind of, you're going to be sloping down, you know, especially if you don't have a thousand orders now. So you're going to be going down from a 220 down to a 200 because that's baseline, even though nothing went wrong. You didn't get IP claims. You don't have order defects. You don't have A to Z claims. You don't have product condition issues. You know, you got nothing there negative. 
it's just natural. So that's that's the purpose. So, you know, it's so not to restate it as simply as possible, Jeff. As, as I'm hearing you talk, is if if you're shipping yeah. fewer units, your account health could slide. You're shipping fewer now than you used to. A few months ago, yes. your account health could slide, but just a little bit. It's not going to bury you. It's going to kind of take you back down to where you were before you had the spike. Correct. And on the on the bright side, something to look forward to. Next Q4, you're going to start seeing it going back up again. So, sure, sure. You know, Thankfully, um, most you know, of our replaying sellers report that, you know, yes, absolutely, we all benefit from a great December and November. But if we're selling those boring everyday items, like most listeners in our community are the replans, this doesn't hit you quite as much where we see quite often, you know, February, March, or April could be the best month of the year for some of our replant sellers. But still, when you have those months that are a big spike and your account health swings up, just know that as the volume slows, yeah. your account <laughs> health could drop and there's no reason to freak out and call Jeff at 3 a.m. panicked. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's just going down. Natural attrition, basically, it's going down. It's not that you did anything wrong and Amazon's not going to penalize you for it because... You know, remember that baseline is 200. So even if you went all the way down to 200, you're still healthy. So, yeah, so. you're just as healthy at 201, although you may be a little nervous, as you are at 999, as far as from Amazon's vantage point, right? Correct. I mean, 201 is your basement. You don't want to drop 20 points from there, obviously, but there's no additional right. benefits. You don't get an extra, you know, Christmas turkey from Bezos if you're over 700 at the end of the year. <laughs> Nothing like that. So you're, yeah. you're all good over 200. Beautiful. That's a great. That's a great overview of uh, the account health score and, and what to be looking out for. All right, man. It's great absolutely. hanging out with you. Appreciate you doing this. Thank you. Appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. If people want more information... They can sign up with us. Uh, reach out to me. You guys can shoot us an email anytime. We're happy to help. Um, Jeff at jeffschick.com is our team's email. And then also our website, jeffschick.com, where we've got our monthly retainer. And it uh, you know is extremely comprehensive. You get unlimited consultations with me and my team. And we help you look out for things like your account health so that if it is going down, we help you figure out why. And if there's anything that needs to be done, we'll help you take care of it. And there's no extra charge for it. Yeah. So. And, and an actual real live warrior on your side that understands Amazon yeah. legal and policy. So great job, man. Appreciate all the good work you. you're doing for our community. And we'll do this again real soon. Sounds good. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Silent Sales Machine Radio. Visit SilentJim.com for a link to our free newsletter, our free Facebook group, and all of our resources mentioned on today's show.